let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump right in. We're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, if you want to turn there, if you've got your Bibles with you, or, or maybe you're driving, or, or whatever, just to follow along. So let's pray. Jesus, <coughs> man, you're, you're just, you're everything, Lord. You have done it all. You, you have finished the work, and uh, you've given us the, the precious Holy Spirit. So I just pray even now um, that that same Spirit in, in each of us who have become born again uh, would speak to us as we read the words um, that the Holy Spirit spoke penned by Paul. God, I pray you'd bring fresh life on it. Uh, you'd breathe. Let your, your presence just go wherever uh, people that are listening to this are at. God, let your spirit fill and permeate where they are. Let the glory of God manifest. Lord, let uh, the Holy Spirit shed abroad the love of Jesus in our hearts. God, we pray right now in uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, feels really good. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so this is going to be the mind of Christ, and we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to really read the, the whole chapter, um, but just really going to be expounding out of it um, as it relates to the mind of Christ and what, you know, I feel like the Lord has been uh, speaking and kind of highlighting in this. Uh, and it's again, at this time with everything that's going on in the world, it's just a good time to slow down, do a reevaluation um, and just really receive by grace and by faith the thing that that God did when uh, when we became born again. So let's take a look. We're going to be in verse one. Uh, and really, verses 1 through uh, 2 set the context of the entire chapter. So they really set the context of what Paul is demonstrating and addressing and trying to communicate to the church in his letter. And so let's read it. Um, and this is going to be the amplified version. Whatever uh, version you, you read, totally fine. I just have really been uh, enjoying the amplified in this season. It says, um, I, I read them all. So uh, anyway, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and facilities or faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated. Man, I love the Amplified. And well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, meaning rational and intelligent service uh, and spiritual worship. Man, when we know the, the mercies of God, it, it is an intelligent decision to live holy. <laughs> it, it is a rational decision. When you understand what Jesus did on the cross and, and his shed blood, you know, the rational decision is to, is to live holy. Man, his mercy demands our holiness. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, this age, uh, fashioned after and adopted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitudes. Let's really pay attention to that right there, new ideals and new attitudes, uh, so that you may prove 
for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So transformed by the renewing of our minds by its new ideals and its new attitudes. You know, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 16 says, you have the mind of Christ. Paul says uh, in another place in scripture, he says, let the same mind be in you that was also in Christ. So when you and I, if I'm speaking to believers, uh, when you and I became born again, we got a new nature. So we were born as a sinful man, but because of the shed blood of Jesus and because of putting our hope and faith and trust in what he did on the cross and that he was raised by God from the dead, that he is the Messiah ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, returning quickly, that Jesus, we put our hope, faith, and trust in him as Savior and Lord, not by works, least any man should both, but by faith. We received a new nature, and he uh, affirmed this and gave evidence to it by giving us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit entered into us, and it literally transformed that sinful nature that was within us into a nature of a saint, a righteous nature. We really received Christ's nature. It's like if you took a dog and turned it into a cat, you know, or a cat into a dog, that that dog is no longer a cat. It may do some things that may look like a cat, but its identity is a dog. It's literally been transformed. You and I became a new creature. The Bible says, behold, all things became new. We literally became a new species. Christ became the firstborn among many. We became a heavenly people, a heavenly host with a new identity and a new nature. So before Christ, uh, Paul says it in this in Romans, he says, the things that I would do, I no longer, or I, I don't do, but the things that I wouldn't do, those things I do do, what help is there for me? And then he goes on to say, thanks be to Jesus. So when you got born again, that old nature, that thing that just wanted to sin all the time, that thing got transformed into a new nature that actually wants to live right and actually wants to live righteous. And God takes his commands, and the Bible says this about the new covenant. He says, I will write my commands on their heart. And that's what happened to you and I when we became born again. You know, the old covenant, the commands were written on a tablet of stone. But in the new covenant, the commands are written on the tablet of our heart. They're, it's no longer simply things that we must do, but it's who we are. Uh, we are made in his image, and that image is expressed fully in Christ. I, I say often this, the only real life is his life. He who is life himself, the way, the truth, and the life. The only real life is his life manifested in our life. No longer uh, I who live, but Christ who lives in me, that new nature. And with that new nature, we also received a new mind. You have the mind of Christ. And that new mind comes with new ideas and new attitudes. And as Paul wrote, he says, don't be conformed to this world, this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
uh, your entire mind with its new ideas and its new attitudes. That tells me several things. It tells me that my new mind and its ideas and its attitudes are contrary to the ideas and the attitudes of the world. My new mind does and should think differently than the world thinks. I should have a different attitude than my old nature. That means that same attitude that I have before I became born again should not remain in this new life. And we all know it's a process and we're on a journey. That's why he says the renewing of your mind and it says the entire mind. And then he goes on so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So we understand that that this is a process, but I want to encourage you that by faith, uh, you know, the Bible says uh, all things are possible for, for those who believe. And it says, uh, let it be to you according to your faith. That at the end of this, when we pray that by faith you can receive that, that mind can get washed in the water of the word. And you can really access that mind of Christ and begin to think the way that God, since you've been born again, has designed you to think. That you can really have the idea and the added, the ideals and the attitude that God, since you've been born again, has designed you to have. And then Paul goes on. And he kind of gives us an example of uh, attitudes that are of the world and attitudes that are of the kingdom. And he, and he kind of shows us the contrast of the two. So let's go on and read. Again, that sets the whole context for everything we're about to read. He says, for by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, Paul is speaking, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to them. This new mind is not a mind of haughtiness. This new mind has an ability to live and think sober-mindedly, to have sober judgment, to really come in and assess where am I at in my walk with God? Where am I at in life? It doesn't think of itself uh, too highly, you know, um, to give you a practical example. You, you know, say you have a high school football coach um, and then you have Nick Saban. Uh, I just happen to be an Alabama fan when I watch sports. I like Crimson Tide. Grew up in, in the South. Love Alabama. Nick Saban, probably arguably the best coach in all of history, at least one of the best coaches in all of history. And you have Nick Saban on one hand, and then you have uh, a high school coach on the other hand that's just up and coming, just starting. That high school coach by no means should compare himself to Nick Saban. If he does and he thinks, well, I'm just as good as, as Nick Saban, I'm, I'm just as amazing as him, like my compliments, like, and he gets this pompous kind of attitude about him, man, he's not living sober-minded. He's thinking way too highly of himself. And the Bible says the same thing about us. And you know, it says about Christ that although Jesus uh, was e equal with God, he didn't think of himself that way, it, meaning he didn't behave and carry an attitude in that way, but actually humbled himself and walked as a man and lived as a man. And it says, that's where Paul says, now have the same mind that was in Christ in you. You have the same mind. That is the mind of Christ to not think too highly of ourselves, uh, but to walk in humility. Christ said, take of my yoke, 
learn of my ways. I am meek and lowly at heart to really do a sober inventory of where we're at, even in the faith and what we believe and in do is bring the fear of the Lord, give us access to humility, which will release wisdom, which will allow us to actually walk in a greater faith and walk in greater character and walk in the mind of Christ in a new level. Uh, in the fear of the Lord, there is like a self-distrust. Like, I don't trust me. I trust the Lord. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So that is humility, utter dependence upon God, being sober-minded, not thinking too highly of yourself. Uh, this is the mind of Christ. Let's go on. It says, for as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs, members, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. Verse five. So we, numerous as we are, one body in Christ, the Messiah, and individually, we are parts one of another, mutually, check this now, mutually dependent on one another mutually dependent upon one another. Uh, beloved, you must know that there is a grace in me. There is a grace in you. There is a grace in, in many members of the body of Christ that is needed by the rest of the body of Christ, that, that we are not an island unto ourselves. Um, we, we don't encompass the fullness of the man. It's not until we come together and, and we learn to live as the household of faith and preferring each other and receiving the, the grace from each other and the gifts from each other and relationally does, um, as Paul said in, in Ephesians, the full measure of the man, Christ, then becomes displayed on the earth that, that there are things in you that I need in order to correct and and empower and equip and exhort and and uh, build up my life so that I can, but not not so that I can be puffed up, but so that I can better display the man Christ Jesus. There are there are things in each of our lives. We're we're not an island unto ourselves. We are dependent upon one another, and this is the way the mind of Christ thinks. The mind of Christ does not think um, in, in the attitude of uh, individualism. It, it it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Um, it's not self-serving. It's self-sacrificial. It, 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 it's not self-preserving. It's self-sacrificial. How do we know this? This is what Christ did. This is the example that Christ gave us. He, he went to the cross and he died and, and he laid his life down. He said, no greater love is this than to lay one's life down for his friends. And Christ demonstrated this preference of others by giving up his life so that we could have his life and his nature and his mind and eternity with him, that we would be judged righteous for eternity, not to go to hell and then the lake of fire, but to spend eternity in bliss with the King of glory. He showed us and demonstrated what this meant. Then it goes on to say this, having gifts, uh, faculties, uh, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. He whose gift is practical service, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches, to teaching. He who exhorts or encourages, to his exhortation. He who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid and superintends with zeal 
and single singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. So that means that the gifts that you have been given, uh, whether it be prophecy, encouragement, service, mercy, whatever it is, generosity, whatever grace gift, whatever um, super God has given to your natural and then supernatural deposit, whatever he's given to you when you became born again and received from him, that thing is not for you. It is for the benefit of others. It's not so that we can look amazing. It's not so that we can get the applause of men. Um, it is. It is so that we would benefit the body and the body can be built up and transformed and display that full measure of the man, that full Christ. So the mind of Christ does not take what it has and keeps it for the benefit of itself. It takes what it has and it freely gives it. And not only does it freely gives it, give it, but it freely gives it in the spirit of excellence, that everything it does, it does unto the Lord. That when I prophesy and I speak encouragement and build you up, I don't do it so that I look amazing. I don't do it so that you like me and love me. I don't do it so that you clap for me. I do it so that you can be built up, exhorted and encouraged and lifted up to look more like Jesus and bring him glory and to benefit you. It's not for me. It is for others. So the mind of Christ serves serves wholeheartedly for the glory of God and serves for others in whatever they've been given and whatever they do. Uh, let's move on. Then it says this, let your love be sincere, a real thing. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness, turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. You know, the Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. It's what Jesus said. Uh, he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You know, sincere love looks like something. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, have been in different relationships and people have told you they loved you. Um, you know, but we all know actions speak much more louder than words. Real love looks like something. You can say, I have love, but that love can not be sincere. So the mind of Christ loves sincerely. It loves wholeheartedly. And actually in that love, there is a hate. Yes, there is a hate. The mind of Christ hates evil. It hates what is evil. It loathes ungodliness. It literally turns in horror from wickedness and it holds fast to that which is good. The mind of Christ is discerning. The mind of Christ can discern and know knows what is evil and what is good and it clings to what is good and turns from what is evil. Unfortunately, um, and there's been teaching and, and, and many of us just or, or we just haven't been taught. Unfortunately, we receive Christ and, and, and we think, you know, well, our sins have been forgiven. We've been washed clean. And now it doesn't really matter what we do or how we live. But this is not true. We, it, what it is, is we've been cleansed by the blood, forgiven and empowered to no longer have to live in that wickedness, but we can actually discern what is evil and access the mind of Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to turn from what is wicked, to loathe what is wicked, to hate evil and injustice. 
and like understand like God arbors pride. God hates pride. It is godly. The mind of Christ hates the spirit of pride. The mind of Christ hates um, ungodliness, sexual immorality. The mind of Christ loathes it and hates it. Um, so if you then have the mind of Christ and you have received it, then that and the mind of Christ hates wickedness and hates evil. If you have a thought about enjoying wickedness and evil, according to scripture, you have every right to reject that thought as not your own. You know, the enemy, he works as thoughts, suggestions, and ideas. If I have a lustful thought come into my mind, I have the right and authority to take captive that thought immediately and reject it as not coming from my own mind because I have the mind of Christ and saying, uh-uh, you, you don't come in here. I'm not taking that as my own. I have a renewed mind. I have a pure mind. I have a pure spirit. I have been born again. It is not my nature to have pornographic thoughts or sexually immoral thoughts or prideful thoughts. It's not my nature. My nature has been changed. My nature is to be righteous and demonstrate the, the fruit of God and bear forth the fruit of his spirit. So I have every right, anytime a thought enters my mind that is contrary to the nature and character of Jesus or contrary to his word, we have every right to reject it as not our own. Do not take ownership of that and beat yourself up. Oh, I'm some terrible person. The difference would be if you agreed with that thought and then allowed that thought to produce bad behavior, to produce wickedness, to produce evil, that is where the sin is. Uh, the thought coming is not originating in your mind. It's coming from an outside source. It's a fiery dart of the devil. And you have every right and ability to reject that thing and think as Christ thinks. Act as Christ acts with the new ideas and the new attitude. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affections as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another or preferring, another translation says, outdoing one another in honor, um, preferring one another better than yourselves. Uh, so the mind of Christ looks at other believers as their brother and sister. We see this in Jesus. His brother and mother and sister are coming to the house where he's at. And, uh, and, and the disciples begin to say, Jesus, your mother and brother and sister, they're on the outside. They're wanting to, to come and see you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'll show you my mother, my brother and sisters. My mother, my brother and sisters are those that do the will of my father. The mind of Christ looks at and thinks of the body of Christ as its own family, as its true family, as its eternal household that we will spend forever and ever. Listen, I love my family and I try to win them to Christ. I've got a brother that's not serving the Lord. I, I, I want to win him to, to the Lord. I, I would love it if he would come to Christ. Uh, I pray for him. But at the end of the day, if he chooses not to respond to the knocking of the Lord, I'm not going to spend eternity with him. I'm going to spend eternity with those who have been born again. They're my eternal family. They are the household of faith. And they're the ones I prefer even better than myself that I would outdo. And the Bible says this, do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith, especially there is this special thing 
in the brethren where we really must begin to look at each other um, in the lens of the household of faith and as our family. That is the mind of Christ. Uh, Let's move on. Verse 11, never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit serving the Lord. The mind of Christ does not lag in zealousness. It is zealous for the things of God. And in earnest endeavor, be aglow, burning with the Spirit. The mind of Christ is burning with the Spirit. The mind of Christ has the idea and the attitude that one should always be aglow and burning with the Spirit, full of zeal. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stop right there. I feel that something on that. God, I pray even now for a fresh zeal, a fresh burning aglow, God, burning aglow with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of the living God, a fresh wind of zealousness and burning aglow, Man, that feels good. In the spirit of the living God, thank you, Jesus, serving the Lord. Uh, Again, not to, to, to be put on a pedestal, but even that burning in that zealousness is for a purpose. It's for serving the Lord. The mind of Christ has an attitude and an idea that all it does is serve the Lord. Everything it does is for the purpose of serving the King of glory. Let's move on. Verse 12, rejoice and exalt in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Oh, help us, Jesus. The mind of Christ has the idea and the attitude that the proper response to suffering and tribulation is to rejoice, exalt in hope, and be steadfast in patience. That is the mind of Christ for suffering and tribulation. Uh, You know, to be steadfast and patient isn't merely just waiting. It's actually waiting well. It's waiting in the character and the nature of Christ Jesus. It's waiting in the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. That even though we're in suffering, even though we're in times trying times of tribulation, trials and tribulations, that even in those times, I am demonstrating gentleness, kindness, goodness, and self-control. The mind of Christ understands that regardless of what's done to it, it, it has a responsibility, the power and ability to respond in Christ's nature. That means if somebody is persecuting me, if somebody's coming at me, I can respond in the nature of Christ. That means if my whole world is falling apart and things just don't make sense, no matter what's coming at me, my mind ought to be renewed and think, have the idea and the attitude that even in the midst of that, I'm going to be gentle, kind, good, and have self-control. Um, the next next part of that verse says, being consistent in prayer. The mind of Christ has an attitude and an idea of consistent prayer. The mind of Christ knows it is dependent upon a consistent 
prayer life. It's not letting in any thoughts that would contradict the need to be locking away in the secret place every day with Jesus. He who abides in me bears much fruit. I need my mind to constantly be renewed and washed in the water of the word. I'm constantly, every day, I'm coming in for fresh manna, Jesus, the manna that comes down from heaven. Only good for today, that portion that I encountered, that I had, that I know that I need it every single day. I need that fresh manna, that fresh washing, that fresh renewing, that I'm going before him. Lord, search me with that fear of the Lord, a self-distrust. God, I don't trust me. I trust you. God, I know I probably missed it. I'm being humble, God. I'm dependent upon you. I'm humbling myself under the mighty hand of God that you would lift me up in due time. Jesus, search me, wash me, cleanse me, speak to me, change whatever in my mind needs change. Help me see your perspective. The mind of Christ understands it's dependent upon consistent prayer. Let's move on. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities of the saints. Pursue the practice of hospitality. The mind of Christ understands generosity. The mind of Christ, again, as we said, understands that what it is given is not simply for itself, but out of, it, out of its abundance meets the needs of others. That if I have more than enough, that it is not for me to hoard, but is for me. I've been given it with the responsibility of stewarding it and being generous to the work of God, to those ministers that have been blessing and also those saints that need it. You, you know, um, we say this around our community quite a bit. I love the ministry to the homeless. I love the ministry to the lost and broken. Uh, however, I have an issue that if we're at a soup kitchen and we're feeding the homeless, but Brother John, Brother Sue, and, uh, or sorry, Brother Sue, Sister Sue, Brother John, Sister Sue in the church cannot pay their light bill. I have an issue with that. I have an issue with that. We as the church have um, a commission from the Lord. Uh, this is the mind of Christ, that these are our own family, our own household, that this is the household of faith. Do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. It says it right here. It's very clear. Contribute to the needs of God's people, the saints, sharing in the necessities of them, pursue the practice of hospitality. How dare I go love and minister somebody I'm never going to see again, but let my brother and sister go without. May it not be so. Again, I'm not against the ministry to the home. I think we should do it. I think God commands us, Christ commands us to do that. Uh, however, it's, we need to take care of the household of faith. The mind of Christ is conscious of the needs of the saints. The mind of Christ is conscious of generosity in meeting the needs of God's people. They are, they are, they have an attitude of hospitality. Um, you know, they're not so much grieved uh, for people to always be in their homes or this or that. That idea is an idea, again, of the world uh, to not be ha hospitable. I mean, just look at the life of Jesus. He was always in and out around people. And I know some of us are quote unquote introverts and extroverts, but man, our mind still must be renewed not to think as the world thinks, but as the word says and to have the mind 
of Christ. He is the word main flesh. So the mind of Christ is a mind of the word, but to be hospitable towards one another, to not be inconvenienced by one another, but to prefer one another above ourselves. This is the mind of Christ. Um, let's move on. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you who are cruel in their attitudes to you, bless and do not curse them. The world responds with cursing against those who persecute and curse the, their own. They, they do unto others as what's been done unto them. The mind of Christ does unto others as they would have them do unto us. We don't respond back with the same behavior just because it's been done wrongly towards us. We don't do wrong back. It actually, we do the opposite. We bless those who curse. Then it goes on to say, um, to rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others joy, uh, and weep with those who weep, sharing others grief. So again, it's, it's not about us. You know, there's been times when, I have so much joy in my life and so much good going on and, and, but there's somebody in my life that's going through a grieving time. Well, I'm not going to make it all about me and be like, well, you're just bubbling, busting my joy bubble because I'm having a, a time of joy and everything you have is negative because you're going through something. No, I can maintain the joy of the Lord, which has absolutely nothing to do with the things that are going on around me, but my eternal position in Christ, that joy is my strength. And I can still grieve with that person uh, that needs grieving. I can still minister to that person uh, that needs ministering. And maybe I'm um, going through something hard and I see somebody rejoicing. I can, by faith, access the joy of the Lord and begin rejoicing with them and be surprised how quickly things shift in my life when I begin to operate in the mind of Christ, in his character, in his nature. And don't think that heaven does not take note of moments when we do things like that because they surely do and they respond accordingly. Heaven responds accordingly. Jesus responds accordingly. He's looking. He's the one that judges the inward thoughts and actions of man. And he sees in those moments when we prefer others and we make it more about others than we do about ourselves. Let's move on. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, or exclusive. Be readily... Uh, but but readily adjust yourselves to people and things. Wow, man, what a contrary um, thought process. What a what a contrary line of thought. What a contrary idea and attitude to that of the world. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive but readily adjust yourself to people and things. The, the mind of the world only associates and does life with people it agrees with and people that, is, that are similar to it or think the way it thinks. The mind of Christ is not so. The mind of Christ adjusts themselves and makes room for personality aspects that may or may not agitate you and bother you. You die to those things and you make room for people and love them regardless. This is the idea and the attitude of Christ. This is the mind of Christ to not live haughtily or snobbish like I'm better than them 
or ugh, I don't want anything to do with them because I don't like A, B, and C. And again, I'm not talking about uh, open sexual morality and sin. I'm talking about maybe personality traits where maybe you're growing uh in something and they're growing in something or, or maybe it's how you were raised and, you know, just their upbringing and your upbringing and, and, and maybe, you know, it's like a, uh, it would be like this. I'll give you an extreme version. It would be like, you know, I live in Youngstown, Ohio. There are Cleveland Brown fans and there's Pittsburgh Steeler fans. You know, if I, I, you're a Christian and you're not going to associate with Joe because Joe's a Browns fan and you're a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. That's an idea of the world. That's a, well, I'm a Pittsburgh fan, so I'm better than you. Uh, well, our Joe's like, I'm a Cleveland fan. I, I hate Pittsburgh. Fan. And you literally will not have brotherly love. Uh, communion with each other, do life with each other based upon these worldly things, Uh, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourselves to people and things. This is the mind of Christ. And give yourself to humble tasks. The mind of Christ is about humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits or wise in your own mind. The mind of Christ is not wise in and of itself. It understands that wisdom, true wisdom, comes from above. Um, I think so often in the church, and, and I've been guilty of it many times, so I've not arrived at all by, by any means, um, but what ends up happening is we do things the way we've always done it, or we do things um, maybe the way God spoke to do it one time, and we become wise in our own minds and like, well, you know, I know how to do this Christian walk. I know how to do this. I've been walking with the Lord long enough. I know the word. I know how it works out. And you can actually become haughty, overestimate yourself, and wise in your own mind when the mind of Christ, as we said before, is humble and dependent upon Jesus. And it understands, like James says, if you're lacking wisdom, ask from the Father, and the Father gives generously. And so the, the mind of Christ will stop and seek heaven, seek the Lord, and literally just pray and seek now wisdom in that moment, the now voice of the Lord. Uh, for example, Jesus, anytime he would heal the sick, uh, you you don't always see him doing the same thing. He had a now word from the Father. You know, he's not running around spitting in every person's eye. But for whatever reason, in that moment, the word of the Lord was to to, to use his saliva to heal this guy. There was a wisdom, a blueprint, a how-to of God in that moment. Christ was not wise in his own mind, even being... Uh, <laughs> God in flesh, even being the word made flesh, he was still not wise in his own mind, but he said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father saying. This is the mind of Christ. It is not wise in its own mind, but dependent upon the Lord. Verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with Everyone, the mind of Christ is a peacemaker and is in it. It doesn't mean that you'll always have peace. It means that you'll attempt to have it. And that doesn't mean that you compromise truth in order to have peace. You know, the Bible 
really doesn't contradict itself. When you interpret the Bible in the context of the entire Bible, it really doesn't contradict itself. So when it says, if possible, live at, live at peace with every, everyone, but then it says live holy and, ju- and right, it doesn't mean, well, for the sake of being at peace with everyone, I'm going to sacrifice holiness and living right. Even though my lifestyle may offend somebody, I'm not going to give in and partake in sin in order to live in peace. That's not what it's saying. Um, it, it's not saying back away from truth, but it says, it, again, it's very clear, if possible, and as far as it depends on you. So as, as far as you're concerned, do your part to live at peace. But again, you can't control anybody. And this is the mind of Christ. This is the way it thinks. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. This is verse 19. But leave the way open for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine I will repay, requite, says the Lord. This goes back to the fear of the Lord and humility. The mind of Christ understands that I don't have to pay anybody back because I understand God and I know that vengeance is his. The mind of Christ actually trusts in and depends upon the wrath of God. How do I know that? Because here you see in Revelations, the martyrs are under the throne and they're not looking like, Lord, let us have at the wicked who killed us. They say, Lord, when will you avenge our blood that was poured out? Their dependent and trust is still in the Lord and however he sees fit. It doesn't mean that they're like, Packing away like, no, it was fine. They killed it, whatever. They know it was an honor, but they're dependent upon the Lord. They're not looking unto themselves like, God, just let us have at us. When are you going to let us just have at our enemies? They're still not even doing that in, in light of eternity, in glory. They're saying to Jesus, when will you avenge our blood? That is the mind of Christ that I'm trusting upon the Father. I mean, I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross, dies for his enemies, but is fully, fully convinced that God will raise him up, that God will send the spirit to raise him up on the third day. He's fully, he's fully trusting God, even unto death, knowing that actually that was God's great wisdom in how he defeated his enemies. That's why we cannot be wise in our own mind and must have humility and trust the Lord because God's plan and his ways and his thoughts, they're way above ours. I mean, our idea would have never been the cross. Our idea for our own salvation would have never been the cross, but God proved his great wisdom in the crucifixion of his own son. And he put every enemy under his feet and defeated death, hell, and the grave and gave us access to eternal life. That is the wisdom of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The mind of Christ is mindful of the wrath of God and because of that is freely able to be offended, hurt, done wrong, and still operate in the nature of Christ because it knows that God will handle it and is not worried about bringing justice or justification for itself. This is the mind of Christ. Uh, Let's move on. We're almost done here. We got two more verses. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heat burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome master evil with good. The mind of Christ has the idea and the attitude to minister to the needs of even its own enemies. The mind of Christ is so um, unthoughtful of itself. It's so void a self-seeking, um, self-preservation attitude 
that'll even take what it has and give and minister to its enemies. Uh, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. By doing so, you will heap burning coals upon him. This is the mind of Christ. The mind of the world would say, I'm going to destroy, defeat, and eradicate my enemy. But Jesus says to feed them, clothe them, and give them drink and shelter. Like that is the mind of Christ. So opposite and opposing the world. Do not let yourselves be overcome by evil, but overcome and master evil with good. The mind of Christ understands that its response to evil is the goodness of God, that its response to injustice is the mercy of the Lord. Its response to these things, and listen, sometimes the mercy of the Lord is the judgment and wrath of God, but it comes through the Lord and not in and of that person who's operating in the mind of Christ. Man, may we think as Jesus thinks. May we see as Jesus sees. May we take that yoke of the Lord upon us, be meek and lowly of heart, and think as Christ thinks. May we not, as Paul said, set our minds on things below, but set our mind above where Christ is. We are seated in Christ in heavenly places, allowing us to see as he sees, to think as he thinks, to live as he lived in both the demonstration of power and his person. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I just thank you for the mind that we have received at salvation, the mind of Christ. I thank you right now for the washing of our minds in the water of the word. I thank you right now for the renewing of your our minds that we may prove what your will is, that we may demonstrate it, that we may Live it. Thank you that the same mind that is in you, Jesus, is in us. I pray for a fresh grace, a fresh wind to think as Jesus thinks. God, right now, that just I just see like a, a veil coming off of our eyes that we would see and think as Jesus sees and thinks, that we would act and respond. We need the, the nature and character of Christ, and then we need the mind of Christ. God, thank you for it, Lord. And I pray you'd bless each and every one watching, God. I pray that you'd fill them with the spirit in steadfastness in these times of suffering and tribulation, that we would have steadfast endurance, that we would rejoice, God, and exalt in hope. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I thank you for your word. Lord, I love you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Well, guys, I hope this um, blesses you. I hope it lands. Please let us know um, if it blessed you. Um, we just so appreciate many of you, your financial support, uh, your encouraging words, all the, the feedback we've been getting. So, so grateful for you. Many of you have been sharing this stuff. We just so, uh, so grateful, so humbled by that and just honored uh, for you guys to take the time and listen to um, what we really feel the Lord would have us share. So uh, again, I hope it lands, hope it blesses you. Hope you're all doing well. God bless you. Love you. Hope you're having a, an amazing day.